You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I'm your host, Dennis Kuberg, and glad you're listening in today. Hey, it is February, and if you are a new listener to the program or the podcast, you know that every month I have a brand new special report for you covering a timely topic that will likely be of interest for those who aspire to a comfortable, stress-free retirement. This month, I've got a report titled The Case for Tax-Free and Tangible in Your Portfolio. I'd be glad to send you a copy of it. All you need to do to get your free copy of the report, as well as some bonus information, is visit the website, requestyourreport.com. Let me know where to mail the report and the bonus information, and I will be very glad to do so. Again, the website is requestyourreport.com. You know, if there was one word to describe the investing market since the great financial crisis, and now that's going back 14 years or so, that one word that I would use to describe investing markets is artificial. After the performance of stocks and bonds last year in 2022, it's now a lot easier to see that this artificial economy created what I like to call an everything bubble in the price of financial assets. If you own stocks, you know what I'm talking about. If you own bond funds, you know what I'm talking about. U.S. Treasury bonds experienced one of their worst years in history as the bubble began to deflate. And stocks closed 2022 down about 20% or so, roughly depending on which index you want to look at. So this artificial economy and the resultant asset price bubbles came as a result, in my opinion, of the massive levels of currency creation that took place around the world. Now, I am not alone in this opinion. Now, while this currency creation began after the financial crisis, when reducing interest rates to zero didn't jumpstart the economy like it had in the past, this currency creation was wildly accelerated in 2020 in response to the COVID-19 shutdowns. The government, as a result of the COVID response, resulted or resorted rather to stimulus payments to a lot of the population. Many of you listening to this probably got stimulus payments from the government. And it came in the form of what one prior economist called helicopter money, money directly to you from the government. The only problem was this money was also artificial. See, the stimulus money that was dropped into the economy added to this artificial environment. It added to this prosperity illusion by making the economy even more artificial, in my view. Now, in response to the inflation that was caused by this currency creation, the Fed, beginning last year, and the Fed, of course, is the central bank of the United States, the Fed began to raise interest rates in an attempt to get inflation under control. Now, as my guest on today's program will tell you, in fact, uh, in segments two and three, I will be interviewing Dr. Charles Nenner. He's a returning guest to the program. And his studies uh, have him concluding that inflation comes in waves. I would certainly agree with that. So despite the fact that some politicians are taking victory laps, that inflation is now under control, uh, that the reports have inflation being somewhat subdued, 
I believe that we're going to be dealing with inflation again very soon. Now, as the Fed has begun to increase interest rates, what we're really doing is moving more toward reality. In other words, we're moving out of this artificial environment and we're moving more toward reality. And reality always sets in. As the old farmer said, the rooster always comes home to roost. And that's exactly what's going on in today's economy. See, these, these bubbles in asset prices are now beginning to deflate on their way to bringing asset prices back to a more normal or realistic level. Now, on today's program, I want to talk to you about how overvalued I believe stocks remain, how the real estate market, I believe, is now beginning to unravel. And I'm going to, in the time I have, give you just a few examples. Now, I talk about this in detail in my February special report. The February special report is titled The Case for Tax-Free and Tangible in Your Portfolio. Uh, if you would like to get a copy of that report as well as some bonus information, again, visit the website requestyourreport.com, and I will be very glad to get that out to you. Now, stocks last year being down about 20%, and of course, the last four months in stocks uh, have been pretty decent. Uh, it is reinforcing the buy the dip mentality that many stock investors have, and I believe that is the wrong mentality, and I'll explain why here momentarily. So as of this week, as I record this, stocks are still extremely overvalued if one uses the Buffett indicator as the metric, as the measuring stick. Now, if you're listening to this today and you're not familiar with the Buffett indicator, this indicator has been long used to determine if stocks are overvalued or undervalued or fairly valued. It got the nickname, the Buffett Indicator, when Warren Buffett, arguably the most famous investor of our time, revealed in an interview that he really likes to use this indicator to determine if stocks are overvalued or undervalued. And the indicator is really simple to use. It takes a look at the value of stocks relative to economic output. It takes total market capitalization. Now, what is total market capitalization? Total market capitalization is the total value of all stocks. So if you take every stock that exists and every share of stock that exists and you add together the value of all those stocks, you get market capitalization. Now you take the total value of stocks, total market capitalization, and you divide by economic output. And economic output is measured by gross domestic product. So the total value of all stocks divided by economic output. And if you do that and you go back in time, you find that if you go back to, say, 1950, the average value is about 65%. So the total value of stocks relative to economic output, historically on average, has been about 65% or so. Now, at the end of 2021, stocks were 211% of the economy. Now, let me just draw a comparison for you. If we compare the total value of stocks at the end of 2021 
to the total value of stocks in 2000 when the tech stock bubble peaked. When the tech stock bubble peaked, stocks were 159% of the economy. And again, in December of 2021, they were 211% of the economy. Now, even after the market decline of last year, stocks are still about 150% of the economy. So in other words, the decline in stocks in 2022 got stock valuations back to the point that the decline started in 2000. That means, in my view, if stocks just do what they did then, and I think there's an argument to be made that they may fall even further, stocks could decline another 50% from here. And I think that certainly could be the case. Now, at the time of the great financial crisis, when stocks declined more than 50%, stocks were about 110% of the total economy. Now, there's a couple important points to make here. First of all, this artificial economy created due to monster levels of currency creation caused stock valuations to reach a level that was one-third higher than the stock peak prior to the tech stock bubble bust. And prior to the tech stock bubble bust, we saw many companies that had never turned a profit having successful IPOs or successful initial public offerings. We saw that again. This time, the bubble was extended even further. And stocks presently, and I want to reiterate this point, are are currently at the value where the tech stock bubble decline started. And they're about 35% higher than the stock peak at the time of the financial crisis. So the stock bubble that we just experienced is the largest in history. And stock valuations still remain at levels that make a significant stock decline from here, in my view, probable. Now, in the last segment of today's program, we're going to look at real estate. We're going to look at some, some other assets. But as I close this segment, let me remind you that if you would like to get a copy of my February special report titled The Case for Tax-Free and Tangible in Your Portfolio, all you need to do is visit the website requestyourreport.com. Let me know where to mail the report, and you'll also get a copy of the best-selling revenue sourcing book as well as a copy of the best-selling book, The Little Black Book on Social Security Maximization. Uh, again, you'll get a whole box of free information. No cost to you, no obligation to you. Just visit requestyourreport.com and let us know where to mail it. I'll be back after these words with my special guest, Dr. Charles Nenner. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Kubergen. Joining me once again on today's program is returning guest, Dr. Charles Nenner. Uh, Dr. Nenner is the founder of the Charles Nenner Research Center. You can get more information about his work at charlesnenner.com. Uh, you can also take a free trial there uh, for, for his services. And there's also a track record of uh, all the trades they've recommended uh, over the years and what the outcomes were. So everything is there at charlesnenner.com. Dr. Nenner, welcome back to the program. Hey, it's great to be back. 
So, Dr. Nenner, you talked about the fact that markets, stock markets move in waves. You talked about the fact that inflation moves in waves. I found the whole idea of, of these, these things moving in waves to be very interesting. Uh, can, can you maybe just expand on the whole wave idea for our listeners? Well, there is, there is a basis to waves. Uh, it's actually master policy. And it's based, as far as my research shows, on the intensity of the sunspot. The sunspot uh, uh, influence the magnetic field down here, which influences crystallization of water. And since we have 80% of water, uh, so it influences how we appreciate facts. <clears throat> so facts don't have to be the facts. I'll give you one example. You own IBM at 150. It goes to 200. IBM comes out tomorrow with a great number. Now, if the cycle, what we call the cycle is the positive interpretation, is up, then IBM goes up. And the Wall Street Journal will write, people poured into IBM are doing great. But if the cycle of interpretation is down, IBM still has a great result, but it goes down. And then the Wall Street Journal will write something like, investors to profit because they don't think next year will be better. Which means that even if you know the fact, you don't know the interpretation of the fact. So uh, that's why the work that we do is not so much based on, on results or whatever, because our, our interpretation is much more important. So I think like inflation has to do with interpretation. Now uh, the cycle topped and uh, as expected, I think the first week of February, it, it picks up the inflation again. Why? For one reason or the other, uh, people would say, well, maybe there's inflation anyway, and here we go again. Not based on the facts. The facts come afterwards. So that's how we do our work. So the system is based on that. Uh, you can predict exactly uh, in any market, if it's a currency market, if it's a crude oil market, if it's a national gas market, if the market's going down, which day the low is, and what level the low is, because also the level doesn't move at random. Maybe you remember from school in physics that if you shoot a, a bullet in the air, if you know the momentum, you know how long it stays in the air and how far it goes. Uh, that's the same thing with markets. If you know the momentum, you don't have to wait for a news item to come out. You know exactly how many months, weeks, or days the market will go up and what the end result is and the end target is. So that makes investors Investing very, very simple. Like it was nice, to, like you said, if you go to charlesnender.com and you click on track record, you see that, uh, for instance, the NASDAQ for this year, I think we're up 90%. Uh, I don't think there was one losing trade. You can see the, the, the entry point and the exit point. Just based on the work, nothing to do with fundamentals. Yeah, very interesting. So taking this, this idea of inflation, I, I, you know, I think that you've had a lot of politicians taking victory laps saying that, you know, we've got now finally inflation under control. You've mentioned that uh, that will not be the case based on your research. What is your forecast for inflation moving ahead? Well, this is the same thing as, you know, having a bear market rally and saying, oh, you know, we hit bottom and buy the stocks. And before you know it, you go to new low. Um, inflation is going up for the next 30 years. So, of course, it doesn't go up straight. It goes up in waves. Uh, and interest rates will be higher for the next 30 years. Now, how do I know that? Because there's a 30-year 
cycle in interest rates. Uh, and there is a, a, a Kondrashev cycle, that's the longest cycle that was developed by Professor Kondrashev in Russia, that predicts exactly uh, inflation. Now, how that works, why suddenly inflation picks up, that's a mystery to me also. But like I, I explained, we're not in the business of explaining why, we're in the business of knowing what's going to happen. And uh, we'll leave it up to all the pundits to explain, explain why they think something's going to happen. But we just deal with what's going to happen. And I tell people, it's like I'm, I'm trained as a medical doctor. And if they said the red pill uh, will be good for you, I give you the red pill, even if I don't know how it works. Uh, so that's, that's it based on. I, I just use whatever works. And even if I don't understand it fully, as long as it works, we'll use it. So, Dr. Nenner, the, the prospect of inflation for the next 30 years, I think you said, is downright scary. Uh, for most of our listeners, do you see it leveling off a little bit and we just have chronic, you know, moderate inflation or are you envisioning a hyperinflationary scenario? No, no, we go to hyper like uh, the 80s. I think we're at 16, 17, 18 percent uh, rate. Uh, interest rates will go very high. And I have nice discussions sometimes with, with the media. I said, so how do we make money? And I say, listen, I'm Dutch and we Dutch, first of all, don't want to lose money. So you have to be very, you have to be very careful in these markets, and that, you know you have to know that uh, it's going to be a very hard time, especially for millennials, and be very careful and don't let people who don't know what the, what exactly is going on convince you that you hit a low and there's a, there's a bear market low or gold is going to the roof to the roof. Um, the interesting thing is I always ask people how do you know this. You know, everybody appears on the media and the television and they, they, everybody can say whatever he wants. And if you ask a person, where do you think the dollar's going? He says, I don't know exactly, but nobody knows. Well, it's not correct that nobody knows, but it seems that you can be in his business and you say, nobody knows. And uh, I remember when I had my firm on Wall Street, and I was talking about the 90s, uh, not the 1990s. I saw out of the coming out of the uh, subway all these people with the shake cases and the gray suit, and they make a lot of money and they don't know anything. But they convince the people that there's nothing you can know. So I tell people, you get 30 days for free. I just want to show it to you. Don't become, don't become a, a subscriber. We have enough subscribers. But it's interesting to see how the, the institutions approach markets. Yeah, and again, the website uh, to check out Dr. Nenner's work is charlesnenner.com. So based upon um, your research, Dr. Nenner, uh, you have investors that uh, always anticipated that U.S. government bonds would be a safe haven, and they had a right. bit of a rude, awake they had a rude awakening last year. U.S. government bonds, uh, I think, had, if not their worst losing year uh, ever, one of their worst losing years ever. Um, well, what do you see moving ahead for U.S. Treasuries? And that was interesting because uh, I told people, especially if you're in bond funds, you never get back your, your capital. Uh, but there was a 40-year uh, long bull market. And when they used to go to the brokers, says, I want to take some profits. Says, nah, it's going to continue up because they don't study finance history. They only know what happened the last 30 years when they were in business. Uh, it is a catastrophe. There are a lot of people especially in Europe, that have bonds, but they got with negative interest rates. I, I never understood that. I am from Holland. The pension funds bought 
uh, bonds with a negative uh, rate of half a percent. So I said, don't you know that, you know, in the end, uh, you don't have any money for pensions. But that was based on the so-called being careful because the politicians in Europe made, made rules after the crash of 2007-2008 that you had to be, I think, for 60-70% in cash if you run a big pension fund. And, of course, they're always on the wrong side. So now we're all stuck with these bonds. We got out of the bonds, and I remember the third year when I was 190, and it went as low as 120. And that's a catastrophe because you will never get your money back. And if you get it back, the buying power is going to be 50% less. So it's a big problem. What you do have, you have to use the next cycle low in order to try, you know, sell something. Uh, because a lot of people have bonds that give them 1% or less 10 years. So, so it's a big problem. And that's one of the reasons that stocks were holding up because people try to get money somewhere. So let's try the stocks, but that's also not a good idea. Uh, the only good idea is when our cycle bottom to go in metals, in gold, silver. Uh, we're still long, but we're taking profits this week because the bounce is almost over, but we're going to have a long-term bull market, just not right now. Well, we've got a couple minutes left in this segment. Um, just, just to go back and revisit uh, the, the whole bond discussion, do you have a forecast for how high you believe interest rates may go? Well, I think in the end, it will go like uh, before Paul Falk uh, started working on it. They can go uh, 16%. Wow. Okay. Long, long way down yet in the bond market. Yeah. First, you get a bounce. So uh, yeah, the, bounce, the, the bounce in a couple of weeks are going to show a low. And that means that you get for a couple of months, you get some lower interest rates until the inflation picks up again and then interest rates go up again. So... <clears throat> Dr. Nenner, going back to metals, and we'll pick this up in the next segment, um, you had mentioned that uh, when you were on uh, about five months ago that we were going to see an up move in the metals markets, which we've seen. Uh, you now think that it's time to take profits, and, and what's your forecast for metals near-term and long-term? Well, near-term, near I think we're topping over here. My cycle show we're topping over here. Then we go down one more time, but it's getting close to a longer-term low. It's just the problem when I say these things is that people say, well, okay, I think today's 1940. Our target was, I think, 1949. Uh, the problem is uh, um, that people say, uh, well, that I stay put because uh, Mr. Nenna says uh, soon we're going to have a longer-term low. But the, the, the correction can be too fast, and people get afraid. And then, again, they go out. They lose money, and then mentally they're not strong enough to go in when cycles bottom. So that's why I say just look for four weeks. These are important, important four weeks now. Look what the cycles say in gold and silver, because that's the place in the end, longer term, where you have to invest in. Well, I'm chatting today with Dr. Charles Nenner. His website is charlesnenner.com. You can go there to learn about a free trial to check out his work. I will continue my conversation with Dr. Netter when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us. I'm Dennis Tuberg, and you are listening to RLA Radio. 
I have the pleasure of chatting once again today with Dr. Charles Nenner. Uh, Dr. Nenner is the founder of the Charles Nenner Research Center. If you'd like to learn more about his work, you can do so at charlesnenner.com. And you can also get uh, a free trial to his work uh, on the site, and you can also check out his track record. And again, the site is charlesnenner.com. So, uh, Dr. Nenner, uh, you know, moving ahead, uh, the Fed has said that they are going to hold the course. They're going to continue to uh, raise interest rates incrementally to get inflation under control. Um, I happen to think that as the economy goes into a recession, that they might try to reverse course. What do you think? I think we're going to have a recession and inflation. And the cycle charts I sent out, they show that until late uh, 24, the Fed funds are going higher. So let's shift gears a minute and talk about uh, cryptocurrencies. I know you do uh, track cycles in cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrencies had a very tough year in 2022. Uh, where do you see things moving from here, particularly with the uh, increased talk of a central bank issued digital currency? You see, that's again that 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 interpretation of of mass psychology. If you look at track record this year. We made almost 250 percent on the uh, on the Bitcoin. It's the the easiest thing is crypto because there's no noise, so you're almost not bothered by any news item coming out because nobody knows anything or fundamentally about Bitcoin. Um, so I don't know too much about uh, these issues. The only thing that was repeated, what I what I can do is I can tell you when it's going up, how high it's going up, and which day is the top, and how low it goes then. Uh, and afterwards, you know, I'm sure the, the pundits can tell you why it happened, what happened. Like I said, if you look at a track record, you see everything we did, and we didn't have one losing trade, and we're up to 150%. So it's one of the easiest markets to trade. And you obviously were short for a lot of 2022 in cryptos. Yes, yeah, short and long. Uh, <clears throat> I don't have it in front of me, but uh, every trade is registered and audited. So... If they want to see how many times we went long and how many times we went short, we also do a lot with Ethereum and the uh, the ETHE that is calling Ethereum, and also Beto that's calling the Bitcoin, and uh, it's a perfect uh, logical market. Just uh, you cannot just just buy and and sell something if you have no clue if it's going up or down. I I personally have no idea how people do that. Um. Uh, I have friends of, uh, who have children that are totally in bankruptcy because they took loans from the bank because everything went well until the thing come tumbling down. And now they, they have to pay back for the rest of their life the enormous uh, money they took from the bank. So it's, it's very strange what's going on. Yeah, I, so, so I, I pulled up your track record here on, on cryptos, and uh, I see that you had a lot of short positions throughout the year, a few long positions also. Uh, overall, what, what direction do you see, you know, Bitcoin going in 2023? Well, we are now on a bicycle again. We bought, I think, 15,000 15, something. Uh, I said, I know exactly, uh, we said an hourly, this goes by the hourly because it trades day and night. So as if it's hourly close below 22,350 that I remember, we're taking profit. Uh, now. It's hard to say what's for the rest of the year because I didn't build all the long-term cycles yet. 
uh, when we talk next time, I can I can be prepared. I don't have any everything ready because you know we do corn, we do live cattle, we do there's no end to it. We do soya beans. Uh, it's a lot of work, um, but for now the cycle uh, cycle was holding up, and it reached up a downside price target of around fifteen thousand two hundred, I think. And for the moment, we're long as long as there's no close again below twenty thousand three hundred fifty. So, Dr. Nenner, looking ahead at stocks, I think we had the major indices in the U.S. down about 20% in 2022. Uh, we had, I think, eight or nine down months and maybe now four up months or so. Um, wh- where do your cycles tell you that, that stocks are headed? And, and do you have a, a shorter-term forecast for stocks and then a longer-term forecast for stocks? Yeah, first of all, I tell people who don't know really bear markets because I haven't seen a bear market for a long time. That's normal that bear market rallies do 15 to 20% and don't get get in there because you think, oh, we saw the low. Uh, my my uh, indices are on a sell signal. And I, I know specifically that if the S&P closes below 39.40, the bounce is over. Uh, I think there's another week to go or so before the markets come down again. But they, they down into well into the almost till the end of the year. So it's too early to buy. What we what we do is we uh, we trade two stocks the whole year. You see it also my track record. One is UNG, that follows the natural gas, and the other one is USO that follows the crude oil because a lot of investors don't like to do futures. So then they they trade USO that follows the crude price and UNG that follows the uh, the uh, the gas price. But as, as an example, our last trade was selling short UNG at 20. And now it's, I think it's 1050 and we're still short. So there's a lot of money to be made in commodities. Uh, but if you want to wait for stocks before you're in, you have to be out again. It's very difficult. So if I were to look at the S&P 500 with you or the Dow, um, where do you think that goes over the next couple of years? I know when we talked before, uh, you thought that we might see an exceptionally low number on those uh, major indices. Yes, yes. I'm looking for, uh, before this all is over, like 15,000 on the Dow Jones and maybe even lower. But, wow, but I tell 15,000. Yeah, but I, it, sounds, it sounds terrible, but I tell people, listen, in the 90s when Clinton was there, the Dow was 5,000, 6,000, and the world was just going on like it was before. So don't think this is the end of the world. It's going to be the end of the investors. But for the rest, things will just continue. So you had mentioned um, in the last segment that you thought we would see um, interest rates going going much much higher over time. Um, this this 30-year cycle uh, of higher interest rates and higher inflation. Uh, what does that do to the economy? That that just that's got, that's going to be devastating if your forecast is correct. Well, not always. Uh, it's the same thing with wars. Wars, uh, I call it bottom wars and top wars. Uh, sometimes markets go up when there's a war and sometimes they go down when there's a war. Uh, a little bit of inflation is not always bad for uh, for the economy until it gets too, to get too crazy. Uh, so these things I have, don't have a 100% correlation. And what we do is we don't like to make interpretations if this happens and that happens. We just look at everything separate uh, because I don't know the correlations. Uh, 
So we'll look at every market separate. I expect to see a serious recession with inflation. So, Dr. Nenner, if, if uh, we take a look at your ultimate gold forecast, to go back to a topic that we discussed in the last segment, you mentioned you thought that uh, you know gold will probably uh, take a little bit of a dip here, but long term, you're anticipating a bull market. Uh, right. Do you have an upside? Do you have an upside price target you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah, our, our upside uh, first upside target is two and a half thousand already for the last ten years. And if we go through that, we get a higher one, but I think it's going to be two and a half thousand for a while. So, Dr. Nenner, you mentioned that you're trading um, uh, an ETF that tracks the price of natural gas, another that tracks the price of oil. Uh, right. How do you see both? How do you see both of those markets playing out this year? I know. Uh, you know, gas prices have gone up significantly over the last couple of years. Uh, natural gas prices also much higher for, for home heating. Uh, is that a trend that's going to continue? Well, uh, a lot of banks, especially my clients in Canada, are in trouble because when gas was about $10, they uh, they gave out big loans to firms, and now it's, it's, it's three. So that was, so it came down 70% the last six months. No joke. The only thing I can say is next week is a low, and we're getting close to a low. So here we're getting ready again to do our UNG. The other thing I can say is that crude oil just stopped yesterday, the cycle, and it's down for a few weeks. Um, and I don't really remember the uh, what the price target is, but it could be lower than everybody uh, everybody's anticipating. Yeah, and in the time we have left, we have just a couple minutes left. Uh, talk a bit about agricultural commodities, uh, corn, soybeans, the, the the agricultural commodity prices that will affect, you know, what all our listeners pay for food at the grocery store. Right. So what we had is we had the first first wave up in crude, in natural gas, in in, in corn, soybeans, etc. Then we leveled out, and soon we're going to pick up again. So uh, don't expect the uh, the prices to uh, to stay over here or even go lower. You should be ready for higher prices for longer periods. It's it's, it's very serious to really understand what's going on in this economy. Uh, I I went to Walmart and there was I think an 86 year old person who was checking my groceries. I said at your age, he says yes, I had a pension and I thought I could live on it, but now I don't have anything anymore. So you know you have to be very careful. It's going to be very difficult times. Well, we're going to have to leave it there. My guest today has been Dr. Charles Nenner. You can learn more about his work at charlesnenner.com. He's got his track record of all his trades there. He's also got an opportunity for listeners to uh, try out his work, get a free trial. Uh, All that information is at charlesnenner.com. And Dr. Nenner, always a pleasure to catch up with you. I always get terrific feedback when you're on the program. So, uh, appreciate your work. Appreciate you taking time out to talk to me and the listeners, and we'd love to have you back down the road. Yeah, I hope to see you on the future that have something more positive to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll look forward to that for sure. But uh, yeah. thank you so much for thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Bye bye. We will return after these words.
I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. And thanks again to my special guest, Dr. Charles Nenner, for joining me on today's program. Hey, if you're just tuning in, uh, I'm offering the brand new February 2023 special report on today's program. It is titled The Case for Tax-Free and Tangible in Your Portfolio. If you'd like to get a copy of the report as well as a copy of the Revenue Sourcing Book, which was a bestseller when it was released, as well as a little black book on Social Security maximization, as well as some other timely research materials, I'll be glad to send you this absolutely free. Just visit requestyourreport.com. The website, again, is requestyourreport.com, and I'll be glad to send you all this information. Now, as I shared in the first segment, I believe that the one word that describes investing markets since the time of the great financial crisis is artificial. Certainly, that's the case over the last few years as currency creation by the Fed in the form of quantitative easing uh, reached really just wildly reckless levels, in my opinion. And now, as we move from this artificial economy back toward reality, we saw stocks decline 20% last year. And as I talked about in the first segment, stocks based on the Buffett indicator valuation are still very overvalued. That means moving ahead, I think many investors would be wise to be defensive. Now, what about real estate? Because if you think back to the great financial crisis, you recall that real estate crashed and stocks followed suit. It seems that this time around, exactly the opposite is happening. But real estate undoubtedly is slowing down. As I was preparing for this week's program, I read an article that was published on CNBC. This article reported that sales of previously owned homes dropped 1.5% in December from November. And that's according to the National Association of Realtors. Sales ended 2022 at an annualized pace of about 4 million units. That's 34% lower than one year prior. There were 34% fewer homes sold in 2022 than there were in 2021. And that's according to the National Association of Realtors. Homes are now selling at the slowest pace since the November of 2010. And if you think back to November of 2010, what was going on? The housing market was bottoming. There was the subprime mortgage crisis. There was the great financial crisis. It was a very, very difficult time, economically speaking. Now, home sales, according to the article, have now fallen for 11 straight months. Certainly, much of this is due to the fact that the Federal Reserve has increased interest rates. Now, there are those that say that as this real estate market slows, that it's not going to collapse as much as it did at the time of the great financial crisis. I would disagree with that. We'll have to wait and see who is ultimately going to be right. I happen to believe that the coming crash in real estate will be more dramatic and deeper than the real estate crash that preceded the great financial crisis. Now, why do I say that? Well, I think when you look at interest rates, you have to reach that conclusion. When interest rates bottomed last year, at the beginning of last year, about a year ago now, 
you could go get a 30-year mortgage for 2.75% interest. That is an artificially low interest rate, keeping in the theme, keeping with the theme of what we're talking about today. Now, if you contrast that with the mortgage rate low prior to the great financial crisis, it was five and a half percent. So interest rates dropped to about a half on a 30-year mortgage to what they were at the time of the great financial crisis. That has allowed this bubble to grow a lot larger, in my opinion. So I believe that stocks have more downside here, and I believe the real estate market uh, decline is just getting started. Now, finally, I want to talk about U.S. Treasury bonds, because if you take a look at U.S. Treasury bonds and what they did during 2022, they had the worst year in history. Only over really the last eight weeks or so has the price of U.S. Treasury stabilized. So from January really to the end of November last year, we saw the price of U.S. Treasuries decline. And keep in mind that as bond prices fall, interest rates go up. They have an inverse or opposite relationship. Now, despite this dramatic decline in the price of U.S. Treasuries, interest rates have not yet returned to what I would consider to be a more normal level. Now, I talked about stocks, I talked about real estate, I talked about U.S. Treasuries. That provides a pretty fair amount of evidence that what we're seeing here is an everything bubble. But what I haven't yet talked about is government spending. Government spending continues to far exceed tax revenues. The official national debt right now is approaching $32 trillion. The politicians in Washington just spent another $1.7 trillion that was largely unfunded. And there's no serious efforts, at least as far as I can see, to bring this deficit under control. Now, the U.S. national debt is now about $250,000 per taxpayer. Just two years ago, U.S. government debt was at $22 trillion. It's now about $10 trillion higher. It is growing exponentially. And as I record today's program, the yield on the U.S. Treasury for two years, 4.2%. You go back to the end of 2021, the yield on the two-year Treasury was an artificially low 0.73%. So you've seen the yield on the U.S. Treasury increase about six-fold, while over two years, U.S. government debt has increased by $10 trillion. You don't have to be a math genius to figure out that that is not sustainable and that is also artificial. If you take $22 trillion of debt, which was the level of debt two years ago, and you finance it at 0.73%, you spend $160 billion a year to service the interest on the debt. At $31.6 trillion, which is the official national debt, if you carry that at 4.2%, the cost of carrying the debt is now $1.4 trillion. Total tax revenues are only $4.7 trillion, but about $1.4 trillion of that are Social Security and Medicare taxes, and those two programs are also sorely underfunded. So we are rapidly approaching the point that we will fully experience reality. And even though we may have more inflation short-term, long-term, 
it will have to be a deflationary outcome. And that's why I'd invite you to get the February 2023 special report titled The Case for Tax-Free and Tangible in Your Portfolio. If you visit the website requestyourreport.com, I'll be very glad to send it to you. Again, the website requestyourreport.com. And when you request the report, you'll also get a couple copies of my best-selling books. You'll get revenue sourcing as well as a little black book on Social Security maximization, as well as some bonus information. So again, requestyourreport.com. That's all the time I have for this week. Hope you got something you can use on today's program, and I'll be back again next week. 